Awesome. That was incredibly encouraging, Miss Maxine. It's so awesome to see like the youth stepping up. Some of them are like grabbing the instruments. Uh, some of them who may consider themselves introverts, grabbing the mics and stuff like that. Like, like God has a calling on your life, and there is just a ministry waiting for you. Amen? Amen. Hey, everybody. My name is Joaquin. Uh, I, I am uh, going to be giving your, uh, your sermon tonight. I want to welcome everybody. You guys are all welcome here. Actually, yeah, yeah. Before I go any further, let me just say that. Like, everybody, Sozo Youth, this young adult group is for any young adults out there. It's for you. It's for me. It's for your neighbors that maybe don't believe in Jesus because they have the crazy tattoos or they have their bumper stickers or something like that. But, but if church isn't a place for the lost, then what is it? Right. That's and so we call Sozo a place for those who know Jesus and for those who want to get to know Jesus. If you uh, maybe don't call Jesus your Lord, just allow this to be a moment that you are able to spectate a bunch of people who do call Jesus their Savior. And, and see what we do on a weekly or bi-weekly basis and see how we intend to live our lives on a daily basis. In Jesus' name. Uh, let's just get right into it. Cool, cool. We're going to be in Genesis 12 today, dude. It's a good one. I, I was telling uh, my wife, who is a lover of wings, that today is like, today is like a multi-level like level sermon. It has a lot of ingredients to it. And I was like, trying to like, figure out how to describe that without making like, quote-unquote simple sermons sound inferior, because they're not. There's... Lemon pepper wings, which are delicious. Somebody said, mmm. And then there is Louisiana rub wings, which are d d really good. Equally delicious, sometimes a preference. Sometimes I, sometimes I want some lemon pepper wings. I just want lemon and pepper. That's it. And then sometimes I want some Louisiana rub, which has multiple seasons and, and spices and stuff like that. So I feel like tonight might be a, lemon, uh, a Louisiana rub kind of night. Might be, might be a lot of ingredients, so make sure to, to be paying attention. Uh, recommend, uh, highly recommend taking notes. I highly recommend maybe getting an actual notebook that, or something that's not connected to uh, your, um, your, your, uh, your, no, your, your internet service, your, your cell service, because then you get messages and stuff like that. Because um, the second your friend texts you, you're like, oh, let me respond to him. Hey, I'll text you after service. And then I've said a whole minute of something, and you have no idea what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, stick to the notes. It's like, that's like what happens when you watch sub-anime, amen? You, you look, <laughs> all the leaves are like, amen, <clears throat> moving on. Cool, cool, Genesis 12. Uh, this, we're going to talk about somebody named Abram today. And now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. It's interesting that right off the bat, God says to this man named Abram, who's in the Old Testament, from your family and from your father's house. His father is actually uh, is almost synonymous, is, is related in a lot of ways to idolatry, into replacing God with something that is not God. And so Abram, we're going to see way down the line, he, he actually is going to do a lot for God. But don't let me get ahead of myself, Sozo. Say, slow down. slow down. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in all your families... Uh, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It is amazing that Abram, he's getting this amazing promise from God that uh, right now Abram hasn't done uh, any, much, if not anything, for the kingdom. And still God says in this moment, like, you are blessed and you will be a blessing. It doesn't do a thing. Sometimes God 
the love of God reminds me of, of, of a father and mother who, who just had a baby and they love their infant child. Their infant child who hasn't done anything but God, almost be somewhat of an inconvenience, if you will, yeah. to these parents, but still they have this whole heart love for this child. They don't wait for the child to grow up and become eight or nine or ten years old whenever you're old enough to start taking out the trash and, and sweeping and doing the dishes. They don't wait for you. They, they don't wait for their, their child to be able to do something for them. They just love their child. Right. It's the same exact love God has for each and every one of us today. Right now, he says you are blessed and you shall be a blessing. Let me tell you something right now, so as a youth, that you don't need a whole lot to be called, to call yourself blessed. And you need even less to be a blessing to somebody. The other day at work, my coworkers and I, it was really slow, and we were just telling each other horrible, horrible dad jokes. Um, I know. And so, like, somebody came up to me, and they're like, hey, what do you call the, uh, a bee from the United States? And I was like, I don't know what. They said USB. And I was like, that's a good one. And they, these bees will have the best in these. And so I said, how do Catholics make their food? They mass produce it. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, that one went over a lot of my heads. And so it was just awesome that like, we, like somebody came up, told me a good dad joke, made me laugh. I told somebody else a good dad joke, made them laugh. And you don't need a lot to know you're blessed. You don't need, you need even less to bless somebody else. Maybe even somebody telling them that, that, that they, I, I, I try to tell every like guy that has a cool shirt, I like your shirt. Because it makes it, I promise you, it makes a guy's day to compliment them in the smallest ways. <clears throat> I promise I'm not complimenting no girls. Miranda, my wife, you look great today. And so, let's continue. Uh, gosh, God is so good. We're three verses in, and God is already uh, preaching. Amen? And so, Abram departed as the Lord had just spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew, and Abram uh, was 75 years old at this point. It's pretty old to be, to be traveling and, and to uproot your whole family. When he departed from Haran. Uh, let's skip over to verse 6. And then Abram took Sarai, his wife, this is the first five, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions. They had gathered the people whom they acquired, and so they came to the land of Canaan. Uh, verse 6, Abram passed through the land of a place called Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. Have you guys, uh, can you guys tell I pronounced all these words? Or I, I uh, practiced these words. And the Canaanites were in the land, and through the land, the place of Shechem. Uh, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give you this land. God comes up again to Abram. Gives him this amazing promise uh, in a little more detail. He says, just leave this land. I will, I will make you blessed, and I will make you a blessing. And here is a little more specific of a promise. To your descendants, I will give you this land. And there he built an altar. I have this nifty little map in my Bible, and it showed that, uh, that scholars estimate that where he left and where he is now, Shechem, is about a 400-mile trek. I know. The Bible's so cool. And so I was like, I was putting my, my, myself in Abram's shoes, and I was like, because uh, we're going to read right now, he builds an altar right after God says to you, to your descendants, I will give you the land. And an altar is, is, is uh, a moment of significance, like how we take pictures and we share on our, on our social media, birthdays and stuff like that, stuff that means that, uh, of importance to us. That was their way of posting on social media, of building an altar. Oh, thank you, sir. Now I have two waters. Amen. He's blessed to be a blessing. Uh, it tastes, water tastes so good. And so that's their way of posting on social media, building an altar. And imagine traveling 400 miles after hearing a promise of God 
400. That's a lot. Imagine going for weeks, for months, for years after hearing a promise of God and then not seeing much of that after. How many of us have, have gotten a promise of God and, and maybe doubted it a couple of times through our life? How many of us have, 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 have had really long journeys? Imagine if Abram stopped and just, and just uh, settled down at mile 100, 150, 200. What if he got to three, mile 399 and quit and said, God, you haven't been here for 399 miles. I'm not going to walk another step until I see you. Instead of having maybe some faith in taking that last step. Uh, how many of you guys are, are uh, glad that Abram right here took that last mile to see God in, the, in mile 400? Amen? Amen? Maybe some of you guys today have had a promise from a, from a past uh, Sozo youth camp. A uh, leader pray for you that this is going to come to fruition. And now here we are a year, two years, maybe three years later, and, and it's still not happening. Don't give up hope, guys. Have some faith. In Jesus' name, let's keep going. And there he built an altar, who had appeared to him, him um, who had appeared to him, and he moved from there. So that was, he just built an altar. Now he's going to go somewhere else, east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, and this place called Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the Lord uh, on the name of the Lord. And so Abram continued journey going south, and here he is again building a, 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 uh, uh, an altar, a monument, having this moment with God and using the 605 that goes north, Bethel is to his east and this place called Ai is to his west and, um, and so he continues to travel south. And so he has these lands to the left and to the right of him and Bethel means house of God. And that place called Ai is the city that's been destroyed and in Hebrew actually means ruin. It reminds me a whole lot of that verse that says, I have set before you today life and death, so please choose life. He's not called to Bethel or I. It's just symbolic and saying, are you going to continue to, do, to, to live in the house of God? Are you going to continue to try to live out God's will the best you can? Or are you going to turn around and choose your own ruin by your own decisions? Because God has just set that there. He didn't, he's not making Abram go anywhere He's allowing him to, to walk out his own journey and his own process. And so if you're taking notes, I, I want to I call to, to uh, the attention of the altars that Abram's building right now. And they're almost like monumental moments. That's the title of our sermon today, Monumental Moments. Because our modern-day culture, uh, as far as I can remember, as far as I like, history has, has shown to me, they have had monumental moments. And they call to our attention moments of importance, a lot of them for a good reason. Uh, quinceañeras come to mind, sweet 16s, birthdays, weddings, uh, bar mitzvahs, stuff like that. I actually served, <laughs> I served a, uh, I, I was doing a catering job for a while and I served a bar mitzvah and we were only allowed to serve certain hot dogs, it was crazy, um, on sticks, hot dogs on sticks, I'm sorry. And so uh, we, culture builds these, these monumental moments. They, they call altars, 4th of July, uh, Independence Day, Cinco de Mayo, there's a lot of monumental moments that we are reminded about annually almost, if not semi-annually, and we are called to almost build like a mental altar to be reminded, oh yeah, that's when America gained its independence. Oh yeah, that's the day I was born. Oh yeah, that's the day I got married. And so there's all these monumental moments before us and in culture 
And maybe even we're seeing some monumental moments in those around us. We're seeing our friends get their first car. We're seeing our friends graduate high school and college. We're seeing our friends get married. We're seeing others around us have these monumental promises come to fruition. And here we are, maybe wondering, where is my promise, God? You promised me that same thing, I don't know how long ago, and here I am, mile 399, ready to give up. Where's my promise, God? Where are you? You promised this to me, and here I am, caught in a party of self-pity, stuck in, 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 in a distracted moment of wanting more, of wanting that promise. And let me tell you guys something right now, that there is, that the promise will come. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, maybe not even this year. My wife and I were on, on schedule to, to buy our first home, and then COVID hit. And then we went from, from, having, a, from having a plan and having a, um, from having a, a game plan and, and, and having maybe like some knowing of what's about to happen to both of us getting furloughed. And, and the whole world has been turned upside down. And we went from kind of knowing what we might be able to expect in the future to having no idea what's going to happen within tomorrow. The Bible says that tomorrow is not promised. And uh, this isn't even in my notes, but here we are. And we're even now coming out of COVID. We're both in a better place mentally, financially. And now we're even closer to buying our, our home. Amen. Thank you. I want to tell you guys right now that life isn't always going to be, look certain, life isn't always going to be peachy, you're not always going to have everything in plan, but what I want to tell you that might encourage you to keep moving, what I, what I want to tell you guys to not give up on your promises is that today, April 27th, Wednesday night, Sozo Youth, you are closer to that promise that God gave you than you were yesterday. You are closer now than you would have ever been beforehand. Give a bigger clap to God. Come on, if you're going to clap for the promise of God. What happens when, when, happens when there is a group of people that gather on a weekly basis and they say, I don't need my promise to be fulfilled to know my promise is that much closer? What happens when a group of people come together and just humble themselves before God and say, God, I know your promise. I don't need the promise to know you're good. In Jesus' name, let's pull up uh, James 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith uh, produces patience. Somebody say patience. patience. Somebody say trials. trials. But let that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Who tonight wants to lack nothing? Amen. And we, and, we pray, and we pray for God to do all these amazing things in our life. God, God, help me with this. God, God, increase my patience. God, increase my faith. And then we're, we're taken back and we're floored and we're shocked. And we're surprised when, when various trials come into us. Who knows Cody? Right? Raise your hand if you know Cody. He comes to this church. He's an awesome man of God. I talked to one of his, his bunkmates from where, from where he used to live. And he was like, yeah, I was, pray I was having this awesome like, moment of prayer with God and uh, I, was, I was praying, like, God, give me more patience because I was just a really bitter person at the time. And then Cody becomes my roommate. And if you know Cody, he's very outgoing. He's, he's rather uh, loud at times. And so if that's not your cup of, if that kind of person is not your cup of tea, 
that's a big time, that's a big opportunity to, to earn a lot of patience and to kind of test your patience. I mean, what point would it be if we maybe went to a sport practice five, six days a week and never had a game? What point would it be, church, to pray for faith, come here to, 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 to encourage others and to hear, uh, to hear an awesome word from Pastor Joel or Isaac or Chanel, uh, Candace? What, what point would it be, church, if we came and did all this and our lives were perfect and we never had a chance to test our faith, to, to, to extend our faith, to know that God is good even when things are not? What point would it be if we did all that just to not have it put into practice. Right. Amen? Amen? And so I want to tell you guys. Thank you. Now keep clapping, keep clapping. Somebody on the water! Stay hydrated. <laughs> and so let's look at some of the processes uh, Abram goes through. Abram goes, uh, there's a famine that hits the land. Um, so he goes to Egypt. He does some shady stuff there. He actually tells, tells the leader of Egypt that, that Sarai, his wife, is his sister. So that way, like, nobody, like, beats him up for his pretty wife. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, but then uh, he, the, the leader of Egypt blesses, blesses Abram to, to kind of, like, be in good standing. So that way, I don't know, he maybe had some intentions to try to marry his wife. And then he finds out. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? Just get out of here. Take everything. And so he becomes into him. Uh, his wife and his nephew Lot have now come into a lot of possessions, and he has uh, kind of a, a, an altercation with Lot, a conflict, if you will, um, where, they, where they leave Egypt, and now they have all this abundance of stuff, cattle, uh, more possessions, more materials. And Lot gets kind of worried that God isn't going to be able to supply for them because now they have so much. Isn't it weird that after getting so immensely blessed that Lot... Is, 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 is struggled with worry. He's, he's stricken with, 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 um, with anxiety. And isn't that a lot like us? Who here is old enough? Who's here seasoned enough to, to, to know that sometimes the thing that you were praying for, you get, and now is the thing you're complaining about? Yeah. Mm. And so that is just what Lot is going through. And so Abram humbles himself, and, and he tells Lot, like, he, like he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want any, any strife between him and his, and his nephew, who's almost like an adopted son to him in a lot of ways. And he says, Lot, I don't, I don't want no beef. Here's the land. Pick it. If, if you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. I, don't, I, I just don't want any trouble, Lot. And so he humbles himself, and Lot says, I'll take that side. And he goes, okay, I'll go that way. And so in that moment of, of, of almost betrayal, to be just left like that, um, the Bible says that Lot separated from Abram. So like, this is separation. In that painful moment, God comes to him again in chapter 13. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes. I have a feeling that Lot was pretty downcast. Lot was pretty bummed. He was pretty sad. He maybe had his, 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 his chin down. You ever heard the phrase, keep your chin up? Yeah. It's because when you keep your chin up, you can see where you're going. And in times of sadness, we tend to put our chin down. Lift your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, God tells Abram. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. 
that's kind of that's kind of weird for God to say that to Abram, that he just literally gave Lot his choice of land because he didn't want the drama, he didn't want the strife, he didn't want the confrontation. And he just gave away land, and here God says, look around you. I'm pretty sure Lot's land was probably within sight, if not mental sight. I give you this land. I just, I just, I just gave away that land. And so in that promise, Abram, Abram, Abram takes another stance of faith. Because uh, if we continue the promise, he says, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could ever number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. It's a really fancy way to say, you're going to have a lot of kids. Arise, walk through the land, its length, its width, for I give to you. And then Abram moved his tent, went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Some of our monumental moments in life are going to be good. We're going to have good birthdays. We're going to have good times. We're going to graduate whatever school. We're going to get whatever degree. We're going to buy whatever car. And it's going to be a moment of celebration, but there's going to be some moments in our life that's not going to be as good. But whether your situations are good or bad, young people, whether your situations are, 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 call, are, are good moments, are, are, are impactful, monumental moments, or they're a moment where you just lost your adopted son to anxiety, you can still build a monument because no matter what it looks like, that promise of God is still there, church. And you can build them. Somebody today, please have enough faith that the next time your life isn't going so good to build a monument, to have a moment with God and say, God, this, this situation sucks, but I still know you're good, and I still know that your promise is a yes and amen. I know that you're immutable, and I know that you, that you God, is a promise keeper, that, is a, that, that you cannot not keep a promise. The second you say it is, God, there it is. It's where I walk by faith and not by sight. When everything around me looks uh, dull and, and dead, do I call it life? And do I want to see the things as though they're going to be and not as though they are. Abram has a pretty crazy life. Like I said, he lies to the leader of Egypt. Uh, he loses his adopted son. His adopted son, actually, uh, Lot, who's his nephew, um, gets, he's actually becomes a prisoner of war when somebody like attacks the place that Lot was living in. And once Abram hears that, he's like, oh, heck no. He gets 318 of his servants, arms them, and go and like fights this crazy fight and gets Lot back. And then Abram has, has these awesome moments where he builds the altars, he saves his son, but then he has these not so great moments in his life where he maybe trips up and, and forgets how good God is, like when he lied to the leader of Egypt, or Abram even goes as far as, as listening to his crazy wife when she says, we are so old and you talk about this God that promised you descendants. And I, I didn't tell you guys this before because I kind of wanted this to be a shock, but before God was ever promised, I mean, before God ever promised Abram any descendants, we find out that Sarai, his wife, was actually barren. And this is before any of the promises happened. And so now don't those, monu don't those altars that, that Abram's been building, don't, don't they look that much better don't they look like that more, more like a beacon of hope? 
to know that sometimes when the promise feels so far away, it's never going to come. Um, some scholars say that, that Abram's uh, round trip between all this crazy stuff was about 1,500 miles. Over a, a, thousand, and a, a thousand and a half miles to know that, that, that God's promise didn't, didn't come to fruition. Um, we don't see anything until 24 years later after that promise is made. And so Sarai, in this, in this moment, in this, real, in this relapse of faith and, and, and doubt, she tells Abram, go have a, a, an, a son with one of my servants. So that way you can at least have an heir, uh, like an heir to, to pass, the, pass the family name to. And so I don't know what, what maybe caused Abram to, to doubt, but he says yes, and they go and, have, uh, they go and have this child that's not part of the promise. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I want to speak to somebody here that when plans go off the rails, when plans don't go as planned, doesn't mean that God still can't work. Um, that kid is named Ishmael. He actually ends up being a really important person. We won't get into it, but just because he wasn't planned, just because I'll speak for myself. I wasn't planned. My parents didn't plan to have me. Just because I wasn't planned doesn't mean I can't be part of God's plan. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's, just quick, that's just a quick side note for you guys. And so uh, we're going to come to a, uh, we're gonna come to a close on, on, on tonight's service when we talk about uh, chapter 17. Abram is now 99 years old. That means it's been 24 years since that first promise was ever given. Abram has experienced life up until this point. He has experiences highs. He has experienced some lows. He has had moments of great faith. He has had moments of great doubt. He has lived. Life has just taken its toll on Abram, just like it does on all of us. We have these really amazing seasons in our life where everything seems to be going pretty okay. And then we have some other seasons in our life where everything seems to be falling apart. That's just how life kind of, kind of goes. It has its flows. It has its beginnings to some chapters, ends to some other chapters. Here God says, after all of that, after going as far as taking matters into his own hands and having a kid out of wedlock and, and, and trying, and trying to, 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 make it, to make the promise happen, and instead of letting God make that promise happen, God says to Abram, I, almighty God, Walk before me and be, what's that word, church? That last word on the screen, what is that? Blameless. Let me hear it again. What is it? Blameless. Let me hear it one more time. Like, you know that God's grace is there for you. One more time. Blameless. He says, after all of this, church, you are now blameless when you walk before me. Because God says, I don't, God says today, what you do is what you do. But look what he tells Abram. And I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply. Because I am Almighty God. Verse 2. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And you will multiply. It was never your promise with God. It was never your handshake with God that made it work. It was, it was never your deeds that are going to make that promise come to fruition. 
Although faith without works is dead, so don't think you, you can live out God's calling on the couch. He says, as for me, God says, my power was never, was never not there. My promise, when you didn't see it, was never not there. As for me, God says, behold, my covenant, my promise is with you. It's up to us to choose God. Just like, between, just like when Abram was between Bethel and I, he was able to choose life or choose death. We can walk away from the calling of God, guys. If I walk out those doors and, and never come back to church and never pick up my Bible again, never pray and never worship, that was on me. That doesn't mean God's promise wasn't still there. That doesn't mean God's hand was short. I chose to walk away. Have we ever gone through a couple seasons, maybe a couple weeks or a month or so when we chose to not be as close to God as we should have? Just know that in those moments, guys, God was never far from you. His promise was never taken from you. His covenant was with you. His covenant was with Abram when he tried to take matters into his own hands. And you shall be the father of many nations, he tells Abram. Verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram but your name shall be Abraham. Maybe somebody who didn't know the story very well was, but has maybe heard of Abram because there's a popular song from back in the day was Father Abraham, three sons, Father Abraham. So now we, we, he's, he's even known as the father of faith. You mean this guy that lied about his wife being his sister? This guy that went and tried to, make the promise happen that guy is the father of faith yes because at the end of the day he chose to walk in obedience for i've made you the father of many nations i make you exceedingly fruitful and i will make nations of you and kings shall come from you i love this promise that that god gives abram it's all about what god can do he changes his name I have made you father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Despite Abram's shortcomings, God still calls him Abraham. Despite our shortcomings in this room today, despite all of our shortcomings, God still calls us son or daughter. And it is in that, it is in that kind of love, it is in that kind of grace that, that God calls each and every one of us to move and do something for the kingdom. Let's skip to when God actually talks to Sarai, his wife. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah, and she will, uh, and shall be her name, and I will bless her, and also give her a son by her. And then I will bless her, and she will be the mother of nations, and the kings of people shall come from her. And then Abram fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, so maybe he didn't say it out loud, but he said it in his heart, he was thinking it. Maybe he laughed out of sheer shock and seeing, seeing everything that's happened. He laughs and says in his heart, shall a child be born of a man who is 100 years old and shall call Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? Not only is she 99, but she's already been deemed barren by the, by, by the physicians around her and those around her. Maybe you have been deemed insignificant or unworthy not, not smart. Maybe you have been deemed whatever it is those around you deem you. 
and, and maybe even those around you and you yourself might even agree with it, but God doesn't agree with it. He calls you blessed. He calls you to be a blessing. He still has a promise for you. And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Ishmael was the son that he had with the servant that was not his wife. His, Ishmael is the son. Ishmael is the name of the time that he tried to take matters into his own hands. How many of us have Ishmael moments in our lives where we try to take matters into our own hand? And it, isn't it crazy that, that Abraham presents to God Ishmael and he says, you, you, you told me I was going to be a multitude, but here I already did it. Uh, Pastor Joel's helped me kind of put the sermon together and he was saying, isn't, isn't that like a lot of us? And we say like, I've, I, I, have, I have a wife for you out there and I already found her. She, she drinks and smokes and parties and, and doesn't go to church, but I found her, I already got her. Here she is, ish, ish, ish she. I, I have for you a great job. Oh God, I already got one. It's, it's at the bowling alley. I work one day a week. Um, uh, I, I broke my fingers in the, in the bowling pins the other day. I, ha I have a calling for you. I already got it. I already did it, God. But did you? God's promises for you guys today is yes and amen. Because look at chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah. And he said... Uh, and the Lord, uh, for Sarah, he had spoken. For Sarah had conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And at that set time, God has a set time for each and every one of us. Of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him. I love that part. I love that he includes that because that is the promise of, that's the, the first step of the promise of God to Abram, to Abraham, to Sarah. He calls him Isaac. And both Abraham and Sarah laugh when God tells them about this promise. And Isaac, if you translate it, actually means laughter. To call to attention the fact that God's plans for us are so uh, ridiculous to our mortal minds that it's almost laughable what God's going to do with us sometimes because it's so good. And it's so, God's plans for you are better than your wildest dreams. We're talking about monumental moments. And so I'll close out with this. Um, most of you guys know I am a two-time cancer survivor. And so one day, um, the, the, the ultimate goal of the procedure, like if you have, if you have like, a, like, a, like, a, like a messed up hand, if you have a broken finger in surgery, the main goal of that surgery is to fix your finger. The main goal of all my radiation, of all my chemo, was to, to uh, get a bone marrow transplant. And so, uh, is we, we, we everything was in order. We found the donor. All the procedures had been done, and now we're just waiting for the bone marrow to come in for the bone marrow transplant to actually happen. And so, one of the nurse comes in. She's like, "Are you ready to have another birthday?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about, lady?" And she's like, yeah, well, so sometimes it's known as your second birthday because you like almost, you borderline develop new DNA when you get a bone marrow transplant. 
chemotherapy and radiation wipe out everything that was you. And then you get a bone marrow transplant. And now you're like, uh, there's, there's been times where people get bone marrow transplants and their hair comes back a different color and a different, uh, yeah. And so um, I was like, maybe I'll, learn, maybe I'll know how to surf after my bone marrow transplant. She's like, I don't think that's how it works, Mr. Lugo. And so maybe the guy who donated the bone marrow had a really nice mustache, who knows? And so they say, she asks me, are you ready for another birthday? And I was like, I guess it's kind of cool. But I had been saved for a while at this point, and I knew who God was. I knew who my Savior was. I knew the promise God had for me. And in my, in, in my, in my head, I didn't want to be crazy religious at her. But in my head, I said, I already had my second birthday. I already had the moment of significance. I already made the altar that I can always look back to when I accepted Jesus. And when I called him Lord, I already had that moment. So go ahead and, and you, call, you call it the second birthday. But I'll look back to the day where I called Jesus Lord and, and, and I wept in a, in a room and, and had a real encounter with God that that changed my DNA, not your bone marrow transplant. And so the medical field, they, 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 see, a, they see a higher survival rate after five years of post bone marrow transplant. Um, May 1st in uh, like four days or so, that is going to be year six for my bone marrow transplant. And so, thank you. But I don't live by what they said. I don't live by the, 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 the one-year mark. I don't live by the five-year mark where, where the survival rate goes up. I don't live by any of that. It's really cool when you see, when you see the science line up with what God's promises are. story of faith that I hope I can give to every one of you. I've had, I've had one foot out the door. I've, I've, I've come to, I've, I've been at death's door. I know how hard it seems to, th to know that God is good. I, I've experienced it. I've been there. I know that his, I know how hard it is to think that his promises are still there, but I tell you today, as a man who used to mock the same God, I proclaim good that his promises are yes and amen.